Topo Athletic is committed to lifelong health and better movement. Topo builds running shoes for those who get out there every day regardless of weather, speed, energy, or mood. Their distinctive fit and feel combines instinctive human movement with modern performance and lightweight comfort to help you keep going, keep trying, and keep moving. Discover the Topo difference and step into a run experience unlike any other. Thanks for joining us. Hey, Jason, thank you so much for having me on here, man. I'm so excited to, to chat with you. And hey, I just want to say first and foremost, thank you for everything you're doing for, you know, the running community, the tri community, the endurance community with what you're doing, building this community. It's incredible, my friend, and I'm honored to be here. So thank you so much for having me and for, for building what you're building. Appreciate that very much. By the way, guys, I paid Joe about five bucks for that so that he can get a, a calzone here in Phoenix. We both live in Phoenix. We're both from New York. And so, you know, we're always searching for the good Italian food, aren't we? It's so true, man. And it's funny because, like, now I don't know if, you know, like that whole chef's table thing is blowing up Pizzeria Bianco. And, like, yep. everyone's been flocking over there. And it's funny. I went there the other day and tasted it. And I was like, it's good, but it's not New York. So <laughs> you have the pistachio with the red onion, the white pizza with the pistachio and red onion. I didn't have the Rosa, but next time I got to get it. I just had a margarita, got to gotta go cheese and, and, you know, just see how it is. But the Rosa, that's on my next next bid for sure. Go back for that. That's the only pie I'll eat there. Really? Okay. Well, now I need to go back. <laughs> By the way, and I told you this in our green room, so I teach college marketing here in Phoenix, and we're using Pizzeria Bianco because of Chef's Table as our example for marketing. So <laughs> small world. That's awesome. Man, we could do this all day, but I, I wanted to, to bring you on here and, I, and for a number of different reasons. You've got a great backstory, um, and you're going to be going on a journey here in about a month at Havelina, you know, running 100 miles. But obviously, there's a lot of things in between. So if you don't mind, let the audience know who you are and how you got started in endurance sports and when. Yeah, 100%. And thank you so much for asking. So a lot of people see like the things that I'm doing right now, right? Like training for a 100 mile race, completed a 100 mile, like did a few Ironmans and I did an Ultraman. And a lot of people like the natural first thing is like, oh, like, you know, you must have been athletic your whole life. And that is could not be far, for, far from the truth. And quite frankly, didn't even like anything with sports. Like when I was really growing up in high school, like I was the kid who was always picked last in every single pickup sports game. And all I played was golf. Like that was it. And really like, you know, I not only played golf because I liked it, but really I didn't go for any of the sports because I just wasn't athletic. And I, you know, that allowed me to develop a belief in myself that I wasn't athletic. The problem was not only did I have that belief, but I also had these other beliefs that were holding me down, not just in the area of sports and, you know, being athletic, but my overall life. I had a general belief in myself that I really wasn't good enough, that I couldn't handle difficulty, that uh, I was only as good as who I was in the moment. And think about it, right? Even just saying that out loud, it's like, oh man, those things are yeah. tough. And because it was so tough, it led me down to a dark, dark path, like not just uh, really up here, but also, you know, really physiologically as well, not taking care of my body, drinking almost every weekend, uh, blacking yep. out all the time, and really most detrimentally, uh, just developed a terrible, terrible drug addiction to Adderall. So diagnosed with ADHD at a young age, always took Adderall. Um, but it got to a point where my doctor said, hey, you don't have to be taking this anymore. But again, going back to that negative belief I had of not good enough, I said, you know what? I don't believe I'm good enough. I, I believe I need this to function in society to be someone who can actually do something. So I continue to take that. 
and that led me to dabble into other drugs and just go down a bad path until one day I was sitting on the, not even sitting, lying down on uh, the floor of my room in my parents' house, looking up at the ceiling thinking, what the heck am I doing with my life? And uh, that's when, you know, I, I don't know what it was, but but I just... I don't know if I was fed up, but something was calling to me that I needed to do more. So I picked up a book called Unlimited Power by Tony Robbins. And one thing led to another. I just really just started to change those beliefs in myself. And one of those things that helped me to change the beliefs and one of the things that Tony has taught me and one of the things that I've just constantly applied in my life is doing challenges that I didn't think that I can do before. And one of those things for me was running. I didn't think I would be able to run before. Like I would always be gassed on a mile. And let me tell you, the first mile I ever ran when I said, you know what, I'm going to go out and do this. I was gassed. I think it was like 14 minute mile, like heart rate at like 175, like just, oh, just miserable. But let me tell you something, Jason, just showing up and doing that one mile and showing myself that I could do it unlocked something in my head that said, whoa, you didn't think you can do it, but you showed yourself that you can do it. Therefore, that belief that I'm not good enough, I can't do these things, I'm not athletic, was just got weaker because I was showing myself that I could do it. So I thought, wow, if I could run one mile, man, what can I show myself if I can run three miles? Let's sign up for a 5K. Sign up for a 5K, kicked my butt, man. I couldn't even walk the next day. Let me tell you, I couldn't even walk. It was crazy. 5K. But let me tell you, even though I couldn't walk next day, I became stronger because now that belief, again, that I wasn't good enough was weaker and I kept just leveling it up over again. So went to a 10 K went to a half marathon, eventually to a marathon, then an ultra. And it's kind of just spiraled onto there. And across that journey, as I've kind of leveled up my belief system, I got sober. I haven't had a drink in almost four years at this point. I've never taken Adderall since I flushed my pills down the toilet uh, three years ago, been clean and sober ever since, but I'm not as much proud of the sobriety as I am as breaking down that belief that uh, I'm not good enough and that I can't do it. And so I always suggest, you know, anytime you feel like you're not good enough or you feel like you can't do something, man, you just got to show yourself and listen, your brain's going to tell you, you're not going to be able to do this. You're, you know, don't even try or anything, but you need to show up and try because man, you're not only going to surprise yourself, but you're going to surprise the people. And in turn, that change that you're making in yourself is going to ultimately change other people as well. And so for me, now I'm just heading deep into uh, ultra endurance, especially in trail running. That's, that's, my, that's my jam. I got a podcast called Everyday Ultra because uh, man, I just, I, I love sharing knowledge and helping people. And um, that, that's kind of where I'm at now. So I've been to the darkness now we're here and uh man i could not be uh, more happy in my life of where i'm at now well let me tell you joe your story is parallel to mine so um i got asked to participate in a half marathon and i was like there's no way like i play baseball i play football the idea of running was horrendous to me but i went i lived in white plains i went to the track at the local middle school and i literally ran a quarter mile thought I'm going to die right and then I walked a quarter mile then I ran a quarter mile I walked a quarter mile I picked up my water bottle Gatorade and walked home and thought man I'm a badass I just did a mile even though it was half mile running half mile walking and it whooped me but to your point like that ball started rolling and it and it got bigger and bigger and bigger I too I have been sober now for 14 years Um, amazing congrats Thank you. Went cold turkey um, one day and have not picked up alcohol since then. And um, 
it's to your point is the sobriety thing is is great right i'm glad i was able to get rid of that but the reality is that negative voice in your head really starts to go away because you accomplish things but i think the key and i'd love to get your opinion on this is when we do fail now it's not the end of the world it's it like for me what i always say is failure is the building block to success because when mm-hmm. learn from now do you do you kind of find that in your journey through life and through endurance sports that you can look back and say yeah failure is a building block to success 100% my friend 100% and i you know i think we're we're very much on the same page with that cuz we we had that same kind of journey uh going through it but i used to get crushed by failure man because again like i think it comes down to two different things right there's having a fixed mindset or having a growth mindset. And in the past, man, I had a fixed mindset where you believe that the extent of your capabilities is as good as where you are now. So when you fail, if you truly believe that, which I did back in the day, anytime that I failed, anytime that I like got a bad test grade or anytime that I got rejected from a job, I saw that as a reflection of who I was and who I will be for the future. And because of that, man, I got crushed by failure and I couldn't get back up. And it was just a and it would just drive me down a downward spiral. It'd be miserable. Now, though, adopting a growth mindset, which is believing that you can become anything or anyone you want to be as long as you're willing to put in the work and learn. Now I see failure as an input to that success. And right. anytime I fail, and let me tell you this right now, like even though that I see failure as an opportunity, it still hurts. It still yeah. stings. There are yep. times like, and listen, I got my first technical DNF of uh, last month and it hurt so bad. But in those moments, it hurts. I tell myself one thing, one equation. This equation just changed my life. And I promise it changes almost everyone's life who hears it. And that is pain plus reflection equals progress. I learned that from Ray Dalio in the book Principles. Um, incredible book, like one of my favorites of all time. But it's in that pain where you have the opportunity to say, hey, you can do something different in the future next time you go and attempt this. And now you can use that to ultimately move forward. So every time I fail, yes, it hurts for a second. And I'm like, oh man, shit, this really sucks. But then I remember plain plus reflection equals progress. And I go, you know what? Great. I failed. Awesome. I can use this. I can move forward and I can ultimately use it to accomplish any goal that I want to. So that next time I throw myself in the fire, I'm not going to get burned. I'm going to go walk right through that thing. So pain plus reflection equals progress. Failure is essential to success. And I always say, you know, if you're not failing, you're really not trying, right? Because if you're just coasting through life, that's right. we can kind of talk about that with Havelina because it kind of relates to the whole thing. Um, I, I truly believe that if you aren't failing in your life, you're not going, you're not, you're not trying to find the edge of your potential. And I get it. It's scary, man. It you learn things about yourself you don't want to see. But if you really want to reach that next level and silence that voice like we talked about, it's all about failing, man. It really yep. is. So I'm going to put you on the spot because we literally just launched my DNF story. It's a, it's a category we have on our website. I wrote the very first one about my DNF at Ironman Wisconsin in 2019. Um, and to your point, it hurt, but you know you learn from it. So I'm gonna send you the link after this conversation and you're gonna be put on the spot to fill that out. Talk to me about the selection of Havelina why you chose it, you know, knowing that you're going to have to train through the summer here in Phoenix. Why, why pick that race? Why not a race in Flagstaff? Yeah, no, great questions, right? Would have been easier to pick the Sky Peaks last weekend, even though, <laughs> hey, that's a brutal race. I'm not saying anything, but it's not a billion degrees. 
Um, but yeah, anyways, man, I mean, it kind of goes back to the point we were just talking about of like stretching yourself and failing, right? So I, uh, you know, I've always been a believer of picking goals that scare the living crap out of you. Like ones where you look at it and you're like, oh my gosh, this is so scary. Because let me tell you, like when we talk about setting goals that totally weaken that negative belief that you have about yourself, the scariest ones usually have the most power. So for me, every time in my career as an endurance athlete, I've always looked at what's the next thing that can scare me. At one point, it was an Ironman. At another point, it was an Ultraman. And then honestly, it was a hundred miler at one point, but it's funny because, so I did my first hundred miler in April at the Zion 100. That was my first hundred miler ever. But to be honest, like when I signed up for it, I really wasn't that scared about it. Like I had like a yep. lot of confidence in myself as an athlete. And I was like, I can finish this thing. I really can. And that was my goal. My goal was to finish a hundred miles because I'd never done it before. And I was like, you know what? Like, I, I think I can do it. And don't get me wrong. That 100 miles was the hardest thing I've ever done. Kicked my butt, uh, you know, ended up getting like 11th place overall, which I was, you know, super grateful for. Um, had a good showing out there. Um, but I never really was like totally scared about the goal. So as I sat and kind of reflected, I was like, well, what do I need to do next, right? I can sign up for another 100 miler. Um, but like, I know I'm going to finish 100 miles. And I thought, okay, like, what would be really scary? Like, what, what is something I believe that I can't do right now? Right. And that thing was was placed first overall in an ultra marathon, right? And I was like, okay, like, sure, that's great. But there's some local races you can always enter into that, you know, you, you know, if, with enough fitness and enough background, like you can, you can play some first place. And I thought, okay, what about a race where we're the big dogs at, right? Like, what about a race where like all these super talented athletes are? And man, I mean, if you're in Arizona and if you're in the ultra running community, you know one of those races is one of the golden ticket opportunities to get into Western States 100, the Javelin 100. And yep. so I thought, you know what, man, Javelin 100, going for a golden ticket. Some of the best ultra runners in the world are going to be at this race. Man, should I go for first place? I'm getting chills just, just talking about it right now. And I, and I thought to myself, and I, I remember the sense of like dread and negative voice that came in my head said, dude. Who the hell do you think you are thinking that you can go for a golden ticket in that race? You never won an ultra before. And I said, boom, that's it. Yeah. So that's why I signed up for Javelina is because I wanted to go for that big goal because I had that fear in my stomach, like telling me, oh man, you can't do this. Because now when I hear you can't do this in my head, I don't sit there and go, yeah, you're right. Because that's how you get in that hold of depression. I go, all right, yep. I'm going to show, I'm gonna show you you're wrong. And so, uh, that's that's the whole reason why I'm going for Javelina is because I I really just want to see what I can be capable of and it's like I'm scared man I, I'm scared every day like kind of going into and thinking about it but I wouldn't have it any other way so that's why I'm doing it. Hey, for those of you who are joining us, think about this for a second. So Joe put a goal out there for him, first place, period, end of story. Your goal might be totally different. So I had a goal of getting into Western states. And I went to the same event, Rocky Raccoon, which is in Huntsville, Texas, mm -hmm. relatively. And I registered five times. I ran the race five times. And each time I went to the starting line, my goal was to break 19 hours mm -hmm. at that. I didn't care where it put me in terms of overall. That was my goal. And I chased it. I failed every time. <laughs> but, you know, I still chased it. And I want to put that out there for everybody, like, Joe's goal is X. Jason's goal is Y. Your goal has meaning. Chase that goal. Go for it. You might fail the first time. You might fail a hundred times, but keep chasing it. Because each time you go for it, 
it actually is going to get easier to achieve and you will get there. So you, you chose Havelina. I want to be first place. So now you have to sit down and write a training plan or talk to a coach if you have one about how to get there. So walk us through that process. When did you start training for this event? When will you begin to take for it and, and start progressing towards the finish line? Yeah, hundred percent, Jason. And I, hey, I want to second that point that you mentioned. Everybody's got a different goal. I know I do have big goals for myself, right? And and listen, it, I'm not. I never want to convince someone to say, "Hey, go out and win a hundred miler." I always say, like, "Hey, what's scary to one person might be scary to someone else." Like, for example, like for me, like you know, even going back and doing like you know uh, an Ironman would be scary to me at this point because I haven't even gotten <laughs> on the bike in a while, right? So so and you know. Uh, doing through hikes, like for me, like, man, like I'm not good at through hiking. Like, so doing a massive through hike for me would be super, super scary. And that's right. okay. And so like anytime, it, like what's scary to you might be different than what's scary to me or anyone else, but that's not a reflection on you. It's not, it really isn't like some people think, Oh, like, well, you know, it, it, finishing just scares me. That's totally fine. At one point right. finishing a 5k scared the hell out of me. One of the most scared I've ever been before race was my first 10k, 10k. <laughs> And it was that way for a while. It really I'm was. Sprint triathlons, dude, because they yeah. hurt. Like I would yeah. rather do an Ironman because it's adult pain versus a sprint triathlon because it's an acute pain. And I've always said I'm more of a candle than a match. Like, yeah, sprint triathlons scare me. Yeah, hundred percent, exactly. And it's it's always a matter of like what scares you. Like that's the biggest important thing. And comparison is never a good thing in there. Just do what's what's true to you. Now, in terms of the training for Havelina Hundred, so I know you mentioned like, hey, like, are you writing a plan? Let me tell you, Jason. If I wrote my own plan for Havelina Hundred, there's no chance in hell that I'm ever coming first in there. So <laughs> I realized the one thing that I have to do is okay. I was like, okay, in order to become someone who can place at the top, the top ranks at Havelina 100, I need to learn from the best because right now I'm not there. So who else to tap into than a coach who's been in the industry and let alone one of the best runners of all time that we've seen, Zach Bitter. So Zach yeah. has, you know, he, he's gotten the 100 mile record uh, at one point for fastest 100 mile time. He's won Havelina 100 before. He's ran out here in Phoenix, Arizona. He knows how to train well. So I reach out to him and I said, hey man, would love to work with you as a coach. Like, seriously, I'm trying to be the best. I let him know my goals. And he ultimately was said, yep. And so I've been working with Zach because I truly believe if you don't know where to get somewhere, like you need to find someone who has been doing that before. Again, so you can find any coach. Like, like if you're just trying to finish, man, there's so many great coaches out there. Like yourself, Jason, like you're, you're a great coach, like anything like that. Um, I always say, try and find a coach specific to what you're trying to do. So if you're trying to go for a triathlon, find a triathlon coach. If you're trying to go for an Ironman, find someone who specializes in Ironman. Like for me, I wanted to go to someone, I wanted to win Javelina, so I found someone who won Javelina in the past and knows that course and been there. So that was my thought process. And uh, Zach's been incredible. And so I started my block really officially in first week of June, because I told myself, Hey, I want, I need, I need to give myself a lot of time. This isn't something that I can just do over two months because I'm not even close to where I need to be to finish first place. So I knew I had to put in more time and put in more work than, you know, the other athletes that are going to show up there, Nick Curry, uh, Patrick Reagan, uh, you know, uh, Andrew Bellis, the Bellis brothers. I mean, like, dude, it's a stacked field. I knew it was going to have to start early. So I started in June and man, I've just been hitting it hard. My training generally consists of doing three hard weeks and then one easy week and kind of cycling from there, which each of those four week blocks 
focusing on a different kind of goal. So for example, one goal was focusing on speed work. So a lot of doing a lot of intervals, making sure that I'm improving my pace and the ability to push at a given intensity at a lower pace. Um, and then right now I'm going into long run development. So it's a lot of back-to-back -back long runs, getting more time on my feet, testing the race strategy out. Um, but each different four week uh, block has a goal. Now I'm going into my final three weeks. They're gonna be my biggest weeks of blocks, focus on long run development, then I'm going to taper two weeks and then it's time to party in the desert, baby. And so I'm super excited for it. We got uh, almost a month ago and uh, man, I couldn't be more stoked. Yeah. I love the idea of the rule of specificity, not just in that three to four week training block, but what you said prior to that, which is find the coach, right? I literally just had a student come up to me and ask me about, should he get a minor in economics or marketing or, or something else? And I said to him, you could be a jack of all trades and a master of none. Mm. And so have a coach who does X and Y and Z, how good are they at helping you reach your goal if you have a very specific goal? And so in your case, you needed to find a coach with specificity at winning, right? Because <laughs> for all the finish lines I've crossed at a 100-mile race, I've never come in first place. I've won my age group, but I've never won the whole thing overall, right? And so you need somebody got that specificity. So I really think what you said is something that people who are just getting started in these sports and want to get better at them need to find, right? Mm -hmm. Don't get me wrong. There are training plans ad nauseum online and you can find them, but until you can tailor them to your specific needs because they were written specifically for you by a coach, it, the progress is going to be slow. Very, mm -hmm. very slow. Whereas for you, June till the end of October of this year, your, your um, ability to get better is probably like this versus like this because of who you work. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So when you sit back, you look back. So today's what, the 27th of September. You look back to June. Where, what are you most proud of in your accomplishment in this training cycle? Oof, man, that's a, that's a big question for sure. You know, I think the biggest thing for me is honestly, for the first time, finally believing in myself that I could do this. I really do. Like, sure. My pace is getting great. Like I, and along the way I won my first ultra, like I won the hangover 50 K uh, last week uh, in Phoenix. So that was like the first time I'd ever won an ultra. And so naturally people would think, yeah, that's the first thing that you can do. But really the biggest thing was that belief for me. Cause let me tell you uh, and, and, you know, powerful story. So, um, I was hitting my splits, you know, in training and everything like that. And, you know, uh, I was getting good feedback from some professional runners being like, hey, like, you know, I've, I've been seeing your work on Strava. I think you have a shot for this on a good day. Like, you know, I was hearing all of these things from all these other people giving me this, this reassurance that I could do it. But there was a part of me that still didn't believe that I could do it. There was no matter what people were telling me, no matter what my splits were, no matter what any of those things were. And I hopped on the phone with one of my friends and uh, he asked me, he's like, hey, dude, like, are you ready for Javelina? And I said, yeah, man, I'm ready, but I'm, uh, I'm terrified. And he's like, why are you terrified? He's like, dude, like, I, I feel like there's a part of me that says I have no business setting these goals. Like, I, I'm going up against some of the best runners in the world and, and everything like that. And, you know, which, you know, from a logical standpoint is true. And he looked at me and he, he kind of like, you know, kind of looked off into the distance a little bit. It was on a video call with him. And he looked back at me and he goes, dude, I'm just going to be totally honest with you. The reason why you're not going to win this is because you don't fully believe in yourself. You kind of believe, but you don't fully believe. 
Yeah. And that hit me to my core because in those moments when you don't fully believe in yourself, when you get passed by someone or difficulty comes your way or your stomach comes up, all of a sudden your brain goes, yep, I told you so. And yep. then all of a sudden you self-sabotage yourself. When you fully believe yourself to the core though, in those moments where your stomach hurts, you get passed, you say, it's all right, I got this, I can keep going forward. Yep. Now for me, in order to really get that belief, and this is the core for anyone to change their beliefs when it comes to running, when it comes to anything in their life, is showing yourself that you can do it. So last week at the Hangover 50K, you know, I was supposed to take it as a training run. But in my back of my mind, I said, you know what? It's time to show myself what I'm capable of. And I ended up going out and winning that thing. And just going out and just, just showing myself that I could win that thing, it was like, holy crap, it's possible. And as yeah. I stood on the podium and I heard, and in first place, Joe Corsione, that's when I said, I can win this thing. And that's now I'm just so proud of myself. Again, not just for my fitness goals, not winning that ultra, by breaking down that belief that I wasn't good enough. And now when I show up to the start line on October 29th, ready to party in the desert, I know full-heartedly from my soul, man, that I can win this thing. And there is nothing, nothing I'll ever be more proud of. And honestly, I'm more proud of that than regardless of anything that happens at Javelina, for real. So... When I first got started in these sports, I trained with a buddy, and we always said that the hardest muscle to train was the one that lies six inches between your ears. Mm -hmm. You have to train that muscle to convince yourself that you can do these things. Mm -hmm. And I have it on our website at runtrymag.com. It's called Give Yourself a Chance. And that's literally what you have to do. You have to give yourself a chance. And it starts with believing in yourself that you can accomplish the goal. You know, don't worry about failure. Worry about accomplishing the goal and focus on that. If failure happens, learn from it and build from that and create the success like we discussed earlier. For those of you who are just joining us, we're talking to Joe Corsione. Thank you for being here. This is our typical Tuesday fireside chat. If you have questions for Joe, um, tap the little question mark on the bottom right-hand corner and put him in there. Ask him about his training. Ask him about his belief in himself. Ask him where where he's going, how he started, any questions you might have. If you're participating in Havelina, please be sure to ask those. One thing you mentioned in the last section, uh, Joe, was uploading your data to Java. And I have a really um, interesting question about that because a lot of pro athletes and a lot of elite athletes won't upload their data to Strava until the event is over. Like Walmsley did it a few years ago in his lead up to Western States. And your goal, again, like if it's the everyday person who's going, you know, they're just looking to finish in it, uploading your data to Strava, no big deal in a sense, right? But you're trying to compete for first place. So Curry and all the other names you mentioned can just go to Strava and see how you're doing and start to measure themselves against you, right? So why are you putting that out there? What, what is it about? Is it the confidence you have in yourself to be like, I can't worry about what those guys think? Or is it, I'm going to show them what I'm doing to put a little bit of question mark in their brain about what I'm doing? Yeah, I mean, to, to be honest, I, it's, it's interesting, man. Like, I, I feel like, I feel like it is a little like I want to show people that I'm being consistent out there for sure, you know, and just just because it's great. Like, you know, like when you post like the same route that you're doing over and over again and you're like, oh, OK, he's got like a decent pace. And then all of a sudden months later, it's like, whoa, he's got these paces like this is incredible. Honestly, that does feel good. Uh, it really does. But honestly, like really like the big thing that I just kind of want to show in there is I I 
I, um, I'm a firm believer in just kind of, you know, uh, being an open book, right? Like, I, I think, I think as me, like, it's, it's relatable for a lot of people to see the journey. Like, I want people to see this journey, right? And so, uh, and not from the perspective of, oh, wow, he's getting better. Like, I need to watch out for him. But like, to, to show what it is really like the nitty gritty curtains pulled back on what it's like to really put the nose to the grindstone and see what it takes to accomplish a big goal like this. And um, I think putting it on Strava, like allows to see my highs, allows to see my lows, man, there's some runs that this is going to get uploaded. This is not going to look good. But hey, <laughs> reality, that's how it is. I think sometimes like people will post all the time, like, you know, oh, man, I just went on for like a 25 mile run today. Um, and then but in reality, like that run wasn't great. And like, maybe they exclude the pace or like they exclude some data on there. And uh, for me, I just want to say, hey, this is the process, right? There's going to be highs, there are going to be lows that we're going to put in there. So, you know, yes, to, to, to summarize it all, I'd love to, to show, you know, the people who are following me on there, like the progress that I'm doing, maybe stoke some fear in there. Uh, I'm going to be honest. I don't know if anyone's too, too worried out there, but uh, which is a good thing. Cause I'd love to be the dark horse. Like there is nothing better than, you know, I think being as underestimated and, you know, it's a, it's a good feeling that you can have with a little bit of a chip on your shoulder, but I think more importantly, and you know, it's the reason why I started the everyday ultra podcast is like, I want to help people and show people the journey. And uh, I don't want to be fake. Like, you know, if I go out and have a bad run, like I want to show people like, that's part of the process, man. I'm not perfect. Yeah. Like days where I feel like crap, there are days where I wake up and I'm like, I don't want to go run in a hundred mile, like hundred degree heat. There are days where I don't even want to run at all. But, yeah. uh, you know, you, you gotta be real, man, because that's, uh, that's what helps people like, because again, even though I want to perform at the high level, I still want to be relatable. Right. Yeah. I, I, and, and that's, that's the whole point of why I'm doing everything that I'm doing is because I want to show people that, Hey, if this kid who is unathletic, who didn't run a mile in high school, who is addicted to drugs can go out and win, not just a hundred mile race, but one of the most prestigious hundred mile races. What does that say about human potential? That doesn't say anything about me. That says something about the human potential. And I want to show people, it doesn't matter where the hell you are right now in your life. You can do whatever you want to do. You can become whoever you want to become. You can get rid of anything you want to become. That's what I want to do. And I'd be robbing the people of that mission. If I don't show the highs, the lows, that's why everything's on Strava. So I know I got a little philosophical there at the end, but, uh, I mean, that's, that's, uh, that's, I, I'm an, I'm an open book, man. I, I let it all out there. It's cool though, because you brought up a, another component of this whole thing, right? Where relatable. So I don't tip, I don't lead with my endurance sports resume. And the reason why I don't is because I don't want somebody to see it and be like, I can't talk to him because he's done X. Right. So if people were to look at my endurance sports resume, they have eight Ironman finish lines, eight 100 mile finish lines, a 250 mile finish line. And it's all great. It's all fine and dandy. But I want to be relatable because I started somewhere like I told the story, quarter mile run, quarter mile walk, quarter mile run, quarter mile walk. Um, I haven't really been participating very much lately. So I'm going to be starting all over again. Hopefully by the end of this week, I'm registering for the canyons 100 and go after that at the end of April. But I'm starting all over again. And so I'm going to go through all of those trials and tribulations of the ups and downs. All that stuff is gone now, right? All those finish lines don't exist anymore. I got to get back into the gym. I got to get back to strength training. Got to get back to, you know, back to back long runs. And so I think what you say is very true, right? Is yes, my goal to be in first place 
at this event, but I also want to be relatable so that people who are just getting started know that I'm a kid who grew up in New York, wasn't athletic, played golf, right, which has nothing to do with running 100 miles at all. And so I, I think you, I'm, I appreciate you bringing up the ph philosophical point on that. But here's the thing I wanted to ask you about, too, is so what you said to me prompted this thought. You would prefer to chase than be chased? Yeah, I, I really do. I, I would prefer to chase to be chased, um, mostly because I think, you know, there's there's so much more pressure when, like, people have so much of these expectations on you. And granted, in the end of the day, like, you know, you listen, I can I can sit here all day and say, hey, it doesn't matter what other people think and blah, blah, blah. But like, the reality is, like, it's the human condition, like, we care what other people think about us, like, whether we yeah. say it or not, like, it affects us in some way, shape or form. For me, like, and, and that's something that like, I struggle with sometimes, like I, I can really be like, put on a pedestal sometimes. And I kind of get this thing in the back of my head is like, Oh, I need to perform. And you know, I've been doing better at like, really just uh, combating that thing. But I think you know, when you have a ton of pressure to like go out and perform, like there's, man, it, it can be scary. But when you can vote in the radars a little bit, people don't even know your name. I guarantee you in almost any single race preview, when they talk about Javelin 100, my name won't even show up. I guarantee you that. I, I can guarantee you that. And that's great. I love that. I love it for two reasons. Number if one. You're wrong, if you're wrong, Pizza Bianco Rosa on you. There you go. Exactly. <laughs> Rosa for, uh, for you, for anyone watching right now. But here's the reason why there's two things. Number one, the pressure. But number two, doubt is one of the most powerful gifts that anyone can give you in life. And a lot of people say, hey, don't this. That sounds dark, man. Don't have the chip on the shoulder. I say, screw that, man. The chip on the shoulder is the most powerful thing that you can ever have. Right. When you know that someone can doubt is doubting you or thinks that you can't do that, man, when you use that at the most opportune moment, that force can get you through like anything, man. And so I want to preface something here. It's not something you want to live at all the time, 100 percent. Right. Call that the dark side. That's the dark side right there. You want to live in that 20 percent of the time and 80 percent of the time you want to live in the beauty, the gratitude, the helping others. But man, in an ultra marathon, you get in some dark dark times, right? I'm talking that mile 75 where your stomach's all messed up, your legs are trash, like you have 25 miles left to go. In that moment when you can think about all the people who doubted you, yep. let alone for me, not even mentioning in, in a conversation, that's the chance to be like, okay, yep. time's up. So it's really a matter of, you know, when you, when you feel doubted, you can use that power to move you forward. And man, I feed on that. Like I get into this dark place, man, but let me tell you, it's super, super powerful. So anyone's doubting you, man, like I understand, like it, it, it sucks, especially when it comes from someone you like, but know that they're giving you the greatest gift that they can ever give you when it comes to achieving your goals, because you can use that. Oh, that fire is so powerful, man. And it is great. And I, uh, I can't wait to shock some people. And regardless, like, even if I don't, my whole goal with this, like, yeah, sure. I'd love to become like first place. That would be so, so great. If I can just go out there and compete, man, like that would be so cool. Like to, yeah. to be up with like a Nick Curry or to be able to, you know, finish among, you know, uh, Andrew Bellis or a Patrick Reagan, who's a legend of Javelina hundred. I mean, that would be incredible. And so, uh, yeah, I, I'd love to, to be in the conversation after this race for sure. And I don't disagree with you about doubt. So I, I mentioned earlier, I had a, a goal at Rocky Raccoon to finish in 19 hours. And I didn't just pick that number out of thin air. When I registered for the first time I did that race, I, had, I kept saying, like, 
I think I can break 24 hours at this event. I think I could break 24 hours at this event. And I had somebody say, well, why don't you just compete with the big boys then if you think you could just break 24 hours? And it felt like they were doubting my ability to perform, mm -hmm. right? And I don't know where I finished, but you know, it was somewhere around 20 hours. So it was even better than the 24 hours because I had that voice in my head, like, why don't you just compete with the big boys? Why don't you just go out there and run harder? Like sarcastic saying it to me, right? So I carried that with me as my, my inspiration to get there. So um, let's talk a little bit more specifically about Havelina in terms of um, your thoughts on going out and pacing, right? If you're, if you're going to go out there and compete with the big guys, people are going to launch their asses right from the get-go. So how does pacing look like for you? How are you working with Zach on that concept? And then, you know, look, people are going to be like, it's October 31st. It's going to be fall. We're in Phoenix. Fall doesn't exist. It's, a, it's going to be 100 degrees that day. So how are you dialing in your nutrition, especially in these last, you know, three weeks of training or leading up to the event? Yeah, great question. I think that's, gonna, that's the biggest thing with Havelina 100, right? So people all the time look at that race and they say, oh, it's flat, it's fast, it's, you know, in October, so it's going to be fall, like, and people assume that it's going to be an easy 100 miler. Uh, the problem is it is so hot. And the thing is, too, it's not that hot in the morning and it's not that hot at night. So what right. happens in the morning, people take that, that cool Arizona desert morning temperature and they say, oh, this is not that bad. And then once the heat kicks up at like mile 30, that's where stuff really happens, like bad happens. When you get hot, what happens is like your stomach is not digesting properly because you have blood going into all your extremities. You're sweating a lot more. You're losing a lot more water. And overall, you're losing a ton of electrolytes um, and your muscles are, are not going to be able to recover as quickly as you would. So you really got to focus on uh, on being able to cool yourself down. So for me, my number one priority in training, sure, there's a pacing and everything like that, but it's really keeping myself cool out there because what makes people DNF at Havelina 100 is that they overheat, even if they're the most talented runner, even if they're the most everything like that. So for me, I got to get my uh, cooling strategy dialed in, which I already do. For me, it's just making sure that I'm soaked to the bone as much as possible, just making sure I'm constantly soaking myself, giving myself electrolytes, drinking, you know, close to my uh, fluid loss rate, which you can't really always do out in the heat, making yep. sure that in there so my whole heat protocol is i'm just going to soak myself whenever i can going to wear an ice bandana make sure that's stocked at all times going to be wearing um some arm sleeves making sure there's ice in there at all times and then going to be taking in about 800 milligrams of sodium an hour along with 260 calories now i switch to liquid calories because i learned through my training that my stomach does not handle solid food as well and that's because again your digestive system in the heat gets all messed up so switching to liquid calories, going with Gatorade Endurance, going to be having a, a bottle every hour. I'm going to be carrying two handhelds, and I'm just going to keep that topical cooling strategy rolling. That's the most important thing. Like if you're watching this right now and you're going to go into Havelina, get that topical cooling strategy right down, or it doesn't matter how much you train, how good your fitness is, you can't stay cool. You are fucked. So literally, like part of my French, I say that because, man, I really want to emphasize it. And I think it's a lot of things that people screw up, not just with Havelina, but hot races in general. Yeah. yeah, overall with like pacing, though, for me, I'm still kind of trying to figure that out in the last few weeks. Um, so what I'm doing with Zach is that I'm going through my last long runs, 
once I do my last long run, I'm going to come through a pacing plan with him and we're going to go through and set it. Um, I will say overall though, like, I don't know exactly what the paces will be at this point. Um, but I'm looking to make my fastest loops, my first loop and the fifth loop. So not necessarily a full negative split because I'm sure three and four are going to be, you know, like a little longer based on just spending more time at crew and aid stations. Um, but in the end of the day, like that's going to be the goal and getting the pace down is going to be great. I have two amazing pacers, man, like two incredible pacers. I got Austin Horn on the Air Viper racing team, just a, just an incredibly talented runner, uh, put up in a spectacular show at the Ure 50 earlier this year. And then I have uh, Shelby Farrell from uh, Koros, um, who is also pacing me in the last mile, um, holds the speed record for, or sorry, holds the fastest record for the solo time on the speed project. Um, so I'm very grateful to have them. And man, they're going to they're gonna be cracking the whip on me in the last two miles. So uh, it's going to be fun. Let me tell you, so I paced at URA 100 a number of years ago. And any, <laughs> any time spent on that course is going to be fantastic training for being a pacer at Abilene because that place is brutal. It is just it's just hard for heart's sake in some ways. Well, you mentioned that you're going to be taking Gatorade Endurance and you're going to be one bottle an hour carrying two bottles. So if I'm guessing right, the loops are 20 miles. So the loop is going to be somewhere between three hours and four hours for you, give or take, right? So does the course have Gatorade Endurance out there for you or are you just going to take what's out there on the course water-wise and then when you come back to your aid station – regroup with Gatorade Endurance again? Yeah, great question. So I always say for, and this is a tip, and it's a classic mantra, but man, it never gets old because there's a reason and that's never try something new on race day. So no matter, I'm not trying something I've never tried before on the aid station. I've done that in the past. Swedish fish might have absolutely destroyed me. So never do that. Um, so, but I'm going to carry Gatorade Endurance packets with me. And so at the aid station, I'm going to dump them in the bottle. Now, also too, to supplement, I'm a big believer in this. When you're going on nutrition, have variety. Don't just be sucking down the same thing yeah. because when you've been doing that for hours and hours on end, you're going to get sick of it. So yep. for me, I'm going to take uh, goo gels as well. Again, liquid kind of base. Um, yep. And if I'm not feeling like I want Gatorade Endurance, I might pop a, a goo or a gel yep. and then really just get that rolling. But yeah, I'm going to carry my own powder out there because, you know, I, I don't know, I think relying on the aid stations, man, is just just the biggest gamble you can take is the number one ENF in any ultra is GI issues. And uh, I, I can't like if I have that, like, I, I, it, I'm trying to minimize that risk. So uh, having that all yeah. out there. I, I use scratch. And so I take the little scratch packets with me as well, carry them in my, uh, in my belt so that when I get to those aid stations, I can just pour it in there, pour the water and keep going, not have to worry about, you know, anything. And you're right. Like you need to change up what you're taking. And, and also texture wise, right? So if you're all liquid, the goo is a different texture than like water or Gatorade. So you want that texture change as well when you're going through that process. We're about 45 minutes into this. Anything else you want to share before we jump into our rapid fire questions about your journey from golfer in New York through, you know, drug and alcohol addiction to Havelina at the end of October? Yeah, hundred percent. It's one thing that I, I, it is my, uh, oh man, ultra social worker just said, Joe is my pick to win Havelina 100 on free trail fantasy. Wow. That is incredible. <laughs> 
incredible. Oh man, thank you so much, my friend. I appreciate that. I will not let you down. I would just say the one thing that I just want to say, man, is that whatever I can do, anyone can do. There is nothing special about me. And people hear me say that and they say, man, why are you being so hard on yourself? It's not that I'm being hard on myself. It's just, I believe that when one human does something, anyone can do it. Now it might be harder for some people. Like for me, it's harder for me to be, to perform at the higher level because I don't have the genetics to be a good runner or anything. So I have to work harder, but that's okay because I know I can do it. So anyone here right now, if you're thinking you're seeing a goal, maybe you have in the back of your mind, something that you want to achieve, whether it is win a race, whether it's to finish a hundred miles, whether it's to finish a 5k, whatever that goal is that for you, that is scary. I don't care who, where you are right now, you can totally do it. And that's just not me being a Tony Robbins on stage or doing the rah-rah thing. It is the human element, the human element is to adapt. And when we learn how to adapt and we learn how to get better and we push ourselves and we push ourselves in situations that really test our limits, that's when we can find it. So I can promise you, no matter, it's the core belief that I have in myself is who I am today is not a reflection of where I can be in the future. And if you keep that mantra, if you keep that mindset, failure, a hardship, hard goals, scariness, fear, all those things don't matter because you know okay, who I am now is not who I'm going to be forever. And I can get to where I want to be. I'm willing to put in the work, man. Like, even if I don't win Javelina and if I can totally uh, come in and do that. Oh, I see uh, my boy Finn from single track, a great podcast. Check it out. I'm actually chatting with him right after this too. So uh, man, awesome. check out uh, Finn. He's amazing. Uh, good to see you here, Finn. Um, but yeah, the one thing I just want to say is that if you, if you have any goal, you can get there. I promise. It doesn't matter where you are today. It all matters where you can go in the future. And that's anywhere. I appreciate that. And folks, that is 100% true and accurate. And also know your why. Why are you going to do those things? Because that will help you get there. So we'll move on to our rapid fire questions, which feel free to take your time. This isn't hard hitting journalism. So, <laughs> so when you run music, podcast or nothing at all? I'm a music guy for sure, man. I used to do podcasts, but I was tripping so much because like, <laughs> I was so engrossed in like conversation and podcasts. So like for me, I just like putting a uh, music on. I used to never really listen to music on the trails, but um, you know, now that I'm kind of getting my footing a little bit more as a trail runner, it's uh, it's uh, I, I love it, man. It's great. So music for me, for sure. Favorite genre? Oh God, man. I, it's a toss up. I would say I got to go with EDM. Uh, and favorite artist in EDM? Any particular artist? Uh, I'll probably say my favorite EDM artist is honestly Marshmallow. I know that's like a cop out pick. He's mainstream, but hey, listen. <laughs> hey, we all gotta ha we all get to choose something. It doesn't matter. It's your choice. Exactly. <laughs> I hope you don't get this wrong as a New York guy. Pineapple on pizza? Yes or no? Nah, nah, man, nah. Get that <laughs> out of here. Get that pineapple out of here. It's straight. <laughs> cheese and sauce and thin crust and crispiness that is it that's that's the only answer yeah. <laughs> fact, slice. what's up you got to have a walk around slice you fold it in half grease runs down your elbow like that's the only way to eat pizza don't give me this other nonsense exactly i'm on the same boat for you and fun fact too before all my long runs before every single race that i do anytime i eat a whole personal pizza the night before that is People ask, what's the secret, Joe? And I say pizza. That's right. Mad's life. That's right. No flop. That's Joe, right. 100%, my friend. No flop. Flop? Nah, nah. We, we're, we're not about that. 
Maz Life is is my Spidey twin Maria, who's from Jersey. She's out in Colorado now, so she, she gets knows, it. She knows what's she up. She gets it. I love right. it. So we eliminate all this other garbage. And and sorry to the folks in Chicago and Detroit, but no, like Chicago pizza is a tomato soup bowl. Don't Agreed. pretend anything else. Agreed. Um, Incomparable. It's just it's not like there's a great John Stewart. When he was on The Daily Show, people go to YouTube and search John Stewart New York Pizza. He gives you all the answers. That's all you need to know. <laughs> Just go watch it. It's like four minutes long, and it's fantastic. So good. So we'll good. Have, we'll put it up on our stories on, on uh, Instagram. Love it. Next, candy corn. Is it a real candy or no? I'm going to go with no, but I like it. I'm going to go with no, but I like it. Um, so, uh, yeah, I think it's, I think it's uh, such a controversial thing candy that it ends up in its own uh, category but i do like it i do like it so uh yeah man it's uh <laughs> it's out it's out. i saw this i saw this meme the other day that said um somebody decided to put uh earwax in the shape of a cone and sell it as candy and i can't oh, get oh no <laughs> that ruined it for me oh no <laughs> peeps are peeps a real thing are they a real candy yes or no Peeps are a real candy. I'm a huge Peeps fan. I love sticking them in the microwave and then watching them get all gooey and explodey, man. Oh, dude, this stuff's amazing. That's a new one. So we've heard that you have to eat them stale. Like that's Oh, the... no, 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 no. No. <laughs> no, I'm out on that one. <laughs> is, is red velvet a real flavor or is it just chocolate cake with red food coloring? Ooh. That's a good question, man. I, I would say chocolate cake with food coloring. I really do. I, I think uh, I do think it tastes exactly like chocolate cake, if I'm being honest. But I don't have a refined palate, so you know I'm no uh, Gordon Ramsay out here. But uh, I would I would have to go with the latter for sure. <laughs> Oreo cookies. Are you the cookie or the cream? Oh man, I, I think I'm definitely the cookie, man. I, I I'm an I'm a cookies and cream fiend, uh, and I just love those like cookie bites, like in ice cream in like a shake, like man, the, I think the cookie for sure. So is cookies and cream your favorite ice cream flavor then? Oh, by far, like yeah, no, no doubt. Better than mint chocolate chip? Oh yeah, way better, way better. Our friendship just averted. <laughs> oh no, <laughs> we were so on the same page. Oh man. You mentioned a couple of books. What's your favorite book? You know, I go back and forth on this one a lot. Um, obviously, Unlimited Power has a special place in my heart. That's Without that book, I would not be doing what I'm doing today. And, and Tony Robbins has been just a monumental influence in my life, like for real. Um, so I, Unlimited Power is a special place in my book and in my heart. I would really say, though, like Can't Hurt Me. I know, you know, by David Goggins, it's such a classic answer. It's such a classic book. But like, that's that's like where I really started to get into ultra and running specifically was that like, you know, I, I read that and, you know, I'll never forget the story of him running a hundred miles with like no training and like just the way that, that here's the thing I love about Goggins. Like people see who he is today, but they don't realize who he was in the past. Right. Fat guy, traumatic background, abuses a kid, not athletic. Um, that to me resonates so well. And I think that's why he resonates with so many people. So uh, I got to go with Unlimited Power with Tony Robbins and Can't Hurt Me by David Goggins. Have you done the 4448 then? Yep, I did that uh, March of 2020. So I did it, or May of, uh, yeah, March of 2020. So 2021, sorry, March of 2021. Um, yeah, I mean, it was, uh, honestly, like, it, I, 
wasn't as tough as I thought, um, but I definitely, like, the sleep got me for sure. I, the yeah. mileage wasn't so bad, but the sleep is definitely tricky. So, uh, favorite movie? Are you a movie guy? Oh, yeah, Star Wars, all the way, man. Like, so, like, if I can just take a look at some Star Wars paraphernalia here. We got, uh, we got Baby Yoda <laughs> here. We got some uh, R2-D2 and uh, all that stuff, man. So, it's, uh, it's Star Wars all the way for me. You're, you're really young. There's no way you're... 19 like what did it come out 79 or something yeah it so yeah i'm 27 years old but i remember being a kid and like seeing a new hope for the first time with my dad when i was a kid and like and and new hope came out when, when my dad was like growing up so like for him it was special so like man i just remember seeing a new hope for the first time as a kid and it just blew my freaking mind man and uh i've always just kind of like you know resonate with luke skywalker man he's this guy who's you know farm boy and then grows up to be a jedi and goes through this journey of trials and tribulations and man i just that doesn't get better than that it's amazing so i'm i'll be 49 at the end of this year and, and having seen star wars basically when it first came out through today and like just the change in technology to develop the stories the way they have it's phenomenal absolutely phenomenal Agreed. Um, that's all we have for you. Thank you so much for joining us. We are looking forward to following your training for the next month or so, and then really seeing you execute your plan and, and chasing down those dreams at Havelina on Halloween weekend here in Phoenix, man. Good luck to you, and thank you for joining us. Hey, thank you so much, man. I appreciate it, Tom. Thank you for the opportunity here, man. And uh, I see my my uh, my friend Coach Cal saying, "Buddy in the air, air viper hat runs fast." Uh, thank you so much, man. Appreciate it. Hopefully, we'll be running fast on January or October 29th if I can get the date right. Let's just be real on that first. But regardless, uh, Jason, thanks for having me on, man. Thank you everyone for tuning in, and I appreciate you all. And for those of you who missed the start of it, this will be on our Instagram feed here right away. And then it'll also be on our website and our YouTube channel um, before the end of the week. So you'll have plenty of opportunity to check Joe out. Joe, thank you again. Have a great night. Talk to you soon, man. Thank you so much, Jason. Appreciate you, man. Bye. Bye-bye.